Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. The CDC director is now going to be Mandy Cohen um, from North Carolina, the former Health and Human Services Secretary under uh, my good friend Ray Cooper, the governor. And uh, Walensky is out, uh, I think, at the end of the month here, June 30th. Yeah, she departs on June 30th. And uh, nary a mention in the write-up at the Hill by Nathaniel Weixel, nary a mention that uh, Mandy who's got it going on, uh, set up, uh, was a co-founder of the uh, Doctors for Obama, which then changed to Doctors for America, just like Obama for America, remember? Um, yeah, so their their mission was to, uh, to help drag Obamacare across the finish line. So uh, Mandy has been a, a, a political actor uh, for a very, very, very long time. And... Um, Oh, she also went and helped with the, uh, remember the disastrous rollout of healthcare.gov? And nobody could have ever predicted that that would happen. But um, she went and helped to fix that. Which, by the way, if you've been over to that website anytime uh, over the last few years, it's, I mean, it does load. At least the, that works. Um, but yeah, it was still a pretty bad website. So that's that. Mandy's going big time. And um, no, I'm not going to. I don't really care to read all of the gushing praise from uh, Joe Biden. Oh, but I will say. I am kind of curious. Is Joe going to behave himself. At the press conference with with Mandy. Like did. I mean, after what he pulled with Eva Longoria yesterday, I got I have some I have some questions. I'm going to be watching. Does he get close to to Mandy's hair? Does he give it a sniff? No. Oh, does he make some sort of reference to how his wife is a doctor as well? That'd be funny. (laughs) You call her Dr. Jill. Um. All right, so uh, I do have one other clip before I move on from this Supreme Court story uh, and, and whether or not they should have a code of ethics or not. They don't have a code of ethics, but the Democrats are pushing this uh, it, because it's a way that they get to you know, undermine uh, the integrity of the court, ProPublica, with their uh, you know, allegations of corruption. And here's the thing. There is a remedy. If you believe that, um, that any of the judges, Clarence Thomas specifically, if you believe that he has been engaged in corruption— then impeach him. That's the remedy. Impeach him. But obviously Democrats don't feel like they either have the goods on him or they are afraid of the optics of that. They've made a calculation not to impeach him, right? So maybe, well, they just, I mean, they haven't even tried to file the articles. You could at least file the articles of impeachment. I don't think the Republicans would go along with it, but you, you can file them. But they haven't even done that. So what is Schiff asking for? Adam Schiff is asking for, in his amendment, he wants a uh, sort of like a, 
uh, a halfway thing. He wants he wants a process to be able to file complaints without impeaching. Why? It's the Kavanaugh treatment, right? You, you just throw a whole bunch of allegations out there in order to undermine a particular judge, a particular person. And you just, you just load them up with a bunch of uh, allegations. And then they're just going to be constantly having to defend themselves from those types of attacks. And then what happens? You might have some people that are not interested in becoming a Supreme Court judge because that's what you got to put up with. Right? So they, they're raising the cost of service. That's what all of this stuff does. Right? It raises the cost of serving, and therefore you get fewer people who want to serve. When the juice isn't worth the squeeze, people are just going to say, no, no juice for me. Thank you. And they'll just toil along at lower court positions throughout the country, you know, where, wherever they are. They're not going to want to go to D.C. and become a Supreme Court judge. They'll turn you down. So the idea was that uh, was to have the Judicial Conference of the U.S. chaired by the chief justices propose a code of conduct. But Jim Jordan echoed what Chief Justice John Roberts had raised this issue of there's a separation of powers concern. I'm not a lawyer, constitutional expert or anything. I don't know. This is why I said the court should just go ahead and do something, adopt some sort of code of ethics just for the optics. That's all. Just for the PR. Um, But this was the funny thing. Schiff questioned why Congress has a code of ethics. The Supreme Court doesn't. Jordan said if the uh, Supreme Court wants to adopt one, it can do so. Right? Absolutely. Um, Schiff then repeated that line about how court packing robbed the American people of their reproductive rights, which prompted Indiana Representative Victoria Sparts to respond. I actually uh, do not take, you know, and agree the notion with a gentleman from California that Supreme Court can take rights because Supreme Court cannot give us any rights. All rights are provided by our Constitution and the people. And if the people believe that some rights needs to be in the Constitution, we have a process for constitutional amendments. We have this legislative branch that can legislate. But courts shouldn't be given or taken rights. It's interpret the Constitution. And if it is interpreted incorrectly, you know, the courts can reinterpret that. But if we believe that the rights should be given, they should be explicitly stated in the Constitution, and we have a process to do constitutional amendments. If a gentleman doesn't like it, he should work on this process. If American people believe and they have given more rights and protection, they should be constitutional, like we have a Second Amendment rights, which actually under attack. Exactly. The Ukrainian-born woman knows more about the Constitution than old Schiff. Four brains. Jefferson Van Drew from New Jersey. He summed, uh, he summed it up best, I thought. This is, as a lot of my dental friends would say, when you get a lot of lawyers in one room at one time, this is what happens. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Um, RFK Jr. Um, he went on the uh, a show called, um, well, I don't know what it's called now. 
It's Glenn Greenwald. Uh, System update. There it is. Um, System update host Glenn Greenwald. This is the fella who started The Intercept, right, and then got thrown off of it by the leftists that had taken it over. And he's been a big, he was a big, you know, uh, big defender uh, and supporter, you know, Julian Assange, um, uh, Edwin, Edward Snowden, rather. Um, he interviews Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And Kennedy makes, I think, a couple of eyebrow-raising statements. And I think they're going to, this is going to pose a problem for Biden. And I, I think not for the reason that you might think, but I don't know that because I left my ESP goggles at home, so I don't actually know what you're thinking at this very moment. Um, But I think most people, if they think RFK Jr. might pose a problem for Biden, and I make that statement, I think people would think, oh, well, you think he's going to beat Joe Biden? I do not. I do not. I don't think people are going to buy what he's selling. However, however, he presents a problem because some of the things that he is saying, I suspect a lot of Democrats have not heard. They, they have not been exposed to some of this information, particularly coming from somebody on their side. So this is what he tells Glenn Greenwald the other day, where he says there was a period where he believed all of the Trump Russia gate stuff. He said, I just accepted the mainstream narrative. He said, part of that is just my own fault for not being skeptical about it. And part of it is also may have been my natal bias against Donald Trump. I was like most Democrats. I was just happy to hear anything that confirmed my own notion of Donald Trump. The first time that I had any kind of inkling that that narrative may not be completely accurate was when I was having dinner with Oliver Stone. The guy who did the movie JFK, <laughs> right? Oliver Stone. He's having dinner with Oliver Stone, and Oliver Stone lives about half a mile from where I live. Well, isn't that a small world? And he had Cheryl and I over for dinner one night with his sons, um, Sean, who was a podcaster and a political critic. And the two of them, I don't know how it came up, Maybe one of us mentioned it or something, but he scoffed in a way that was very dismissive and had sort of a brief monologue about how there was nothing to that story. And it seemed to me, I mean, of course, you're with Oliver Stone, so you think here's a guy who's embracing fringe theories anyway. <laughs> you mean like who killed who killed your uncle? <laughs> right. What? Like, I'm trying to imagine this dinner here. You've got RFK Jr. at dinner with Oliver Stone and Oliver Stone's podcast and son, and they're talking about Donald Trump, and Oliver Stone is the guy that apparently says, oh, yeah, it's all just a hoax. He's the one? He's the guy? Okay. <laughs> well, it was a conspiracy, so I guess if I look at it like that, you have to... It, it was just a different conspiracy. It was a conspiracy of the government. Uh, actually, that does make sense now with Oliver Stone. So he says, you would think, here's a guy who's embracing fringe theories anyway, so you just don't know. But it put the first seed of doubt into my head. In 2020, when people started criticizing, including myself, the methodology that was being used to prove the COVID vaccines, 
I all of a sudden began seeing these propaganda tropes that were appearing all the time, saying basically anybody who criticized vaccines is probably a Russian bot or a stooge of Putin, a Putin stooge, which sounds like something else. Anyway, um, then I thought, oh, okay, here's what they're doing. And it may be orchestrated. I think at that point I was open to hearing a different story, and then I started seeing the piles of evidence, but I was still neutral on it. In my mind, the jury was out on this stuff until I saw the recent disclosures, the Durham report. That makes it look like the entire thing was fake, the entire thing was fabricated from whole cloth. Now I see in some way the Ukraine war. I see a lot of the Russian propaganda tropes that we were being force-fed through the mainstream media and always sourced to an unnamed U.S. intelligence agency, which is always suspect, and usually coming out of the Washington Post or the New York Times, which have these relationships, almost mockingbird-like relationships with the U.S. intelligence agencies. Now I see that as kind of the runway to the Ukraine war. That is... Uh, uh, that it was all, we were all being propagandized to see the Russians as an existential enemy. So what is he hitting on here? Right? He's hitting on Oliver Stone plants the seed, but what does he see? He sees this, you know, oh, you're a Russian bot if you criticize the, the COVID vaccines. He starts seeing the, right, the Russian tropes. He keeps seeing them being, this being used. Oh, you're you're Russian, you're a Russian, you're with the Russians, you're with the Russians. That's why I say this is, this is going to be a problem. Is if people in the Democrat Party start hearing this messaging during the election season, this could pose a very big problem. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's military surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. I got a message. It's a Pete tweet. I love how Democrats were totally fine with and even depended on the Supreme Court finding new rights and government authority for decades. But now, now the court makes a few decisions that point back to Outrageous ideas like original intent and precedent, and suddenly that's all that's illegitimate. Right. Yeah, they they rewrite the rules. It that's at the heart of the court packing uh effort. Let's see here, this is from Mark. Let's hope let's hope we don't have another pandemic. Well, I don't think right, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, that's always a good thing to hope for. Another, not another pandemic. But this is, but this is the, um, this is the message. I think that that it's little things like this that break through. Just a little bit of a of an opening where you see something in a different angle, you know, or in a different light, and it changes your perspective and your perception of what is real and what isn't. And there are a lot of people suffering from blue and on. Right? Blue flu, maybe. Um, 
the blue and honors. The, these are the leftists who have these ideas that are incorrect. They have these these beliefs about Donald Trump and Russia and everything else. And these are wild eyed conspiracy theories, just like there are people on the right with consp- that that hold conspiracy theories as true. But the difference is when it was QAnon or whatever, you had you had all these you had all these stories. You know, reporters would go after these groups and these websites and debunk them, poke holes in them. You don't get that with the blue and on, though. They don't go after those theories. In fact, they write the theories, right? They they help feed the theories. And so when a guy like RFK Jr. comes along and says, yeah, I was sitting down having dinner with Oliver Stone. And, you know, he's, he dismisses the whole Russiagate uh, hoax, saying, you know, no, Donald Trump wasn't a Putin stooge. And you're like, oh, okay, well, that's, that's interesting, but that's Oliver Stone. He's kind of wacky, I guess. Um, but then he starts seeing the criticisms against him over the vaccine, and it's the same language that's used against Donald Trump, the pusher of the vaccines, the original, right? Interesting. So you're just saying the same, you're calling me a Russian bot, and you were calling anybody who said that, tr- that Trump wasn't part of the Russian cabal, that, that they were Russian bots too. Like, he sees this as all pointed towards this runway to the Ukraine war. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, story at Real Clear Politics. It's an exclusive. He has been working for months on plans to tear down and rebuild both the DOJ and the FBI. He's been consulting with experts and members of Congress to develop a day one strategy to end what conservatives see as the weaponization of the justice system. The governor has privately told advisors that he will hire and fire plenty of federal personnel, reorganize entire agencies, and execute a, quote, disciplined and, quote, relentless strategy to restore the Justice Department to a mission more in line with the Founding Fathers' uh, vision. But his ambitions go beyond bureaucratic restructuring. He wants to physically remove large swaths of the DOJ from Washington, D.C., including FBI headquarters. He was on a private strategy session uh, call over the weekend, last weekend. Excerpts were obtained exclusively by Real Clear Politics. So I'm thinking it came from his, his campaign. <laughs> hey, uh, just uh, don't tell him that uh, we wanted you to publish this. Quote, we're not going to let all of this power accumulate in Washington. We're going to break up these agencies. He vowed in that call to order, quote, some of the problematic components of the DOJ be uprooted, reorganized, and then promptly shipped to other parts of the country. He said, uh, we've seen throughout the country that the DOJ and the FBI are controlled by one faction of our society. He says, look at how the agencies have gone after pro-life activists. 
They wrongfully investigated parents at school board meetings that were worried about things like critical race theory and uh, forcing kids to wear masks. They colluded with tech companies to censor information. DeSantis has assembled a brain trust of academics, members of Congress and former administration officials to draw up step-by-step blueprints for tearing down the DOJ and the FBI, taking it down to the studs. Which is why they've asked me to participate, needing studs and all. What? All right. He consults frequently with Congressman Thomas Massey of Kentucky, Congressman Chip Roy of Texas. Um, He's got Stephen Bradbury of the Heritage Foundation and Victor David, uh, Victor Davis Hansen of the Hoover Institution. Uh, They've joined the working group to offer technical expertise and historical perspective. Um, A key feature of the emerging plan, move fast and do not wait on Congress. Bradbury has placed particular emphasis on that point during discussions. He is an alum of both the Bush and Trump administrations, so I'm not sure. Do we hate him? Are we supposed to hate him? I, I, I forget the rules here. Because, like, he was in the Bush administration, so I think I'm supposed to hate him for that. But then he was also in the Trump administration, so then he's okay? Or vice versa. That he was in the Trump administration, so we're supposed to hate him, blacklist him. But then he was also with the Bush camp. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he was... Uh, He was a former assistant attorney general. He told DeSantis that not only could he relocate FBI headquarters without legislation from Congress, but he could also eliminate and then consolidate the Bureau's general counsel, public affairs, as well as government relations offices with existing divisions inside the DOJ. You don't need separate divisions for the FBI in those uh, uh, in those departments. He also has suggested that a move, such a move would both limit opportunities for the FBI to meddle in political affairs while also beefing up and emphasizing the field offices. This kind of innovation suits DeSantis, who takes a broader view of executive authority than is typical of constitutional conservatives, and who has told advisors that he doesn't buy the idea that presidents can't fire anyone on the federal payroll. Now, I, I have heard, oh, he's in bed with Paul Ryan, which first off, you. Second of all, um, I'm, I'm curious as to how that's a rumor that people believe. DeSantis was a part of the Freedom, uh, yeah, the House Freedom Caucus. And when it, he, he was one of the guys that was going after the IRS when they targeted the Tea Party. We'll get into that in a minute. Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Headline exclusive, the DeSantis plan to wage war on weaponized DOJ. So to be clear, I I don't have I, – I have very little doubt that this came from the DeSantis camp, right? They wanted this story out there, and they gave it to Phil Wegman uh, with Real Clear Politics. And um, I'm 
you know, he got a hold of the recording, but like this is or a portion of it, some excerpts that just happened to describe, you know, have quotes from DeSantis saying the very things that you hear in his stump speeches. So that's the, it. This is something they want out there, but I'm glad to know it. This is interesting. You got a plan to blow up DOJ and FBI, scatter the scatter the divisions throughout the field offices and such. Combine it with um, with some other operations. Fire a bunch of people. He actually has a plan to do all of this stuff. Um, Trump said in Iowa earlier this month that he could tame the bureaucrats. The one, same ones who tormented his tenure. He said he could do it in six months. That's what he said in Iowa. DeSantis countered in New Hampshire that anybody making that kind of a claim should be asked, well, then why didn't you do it when you had four years? And that's a very good question. That is not an attack on Donald Trump or the size of his hands. I'm kidding. It's just, it's just a joke. Like, But that is a fair question, right? That's a fair question to ask. Why didn't you try to do it while you were in the fight? Now, I've heard people, when I ask questions like that, I hear sometimes people will say, well, um, it's because he didn't know how bad it was, or he didn't know who all was with him or against him, right? All, all of that. But still, four years. For four years. Only a two-term president can finish that job, said DeSantis. Now, I don't know about that, but... That this is another fair point, I think, which is if Trump wins, he's a lame duck on the first day, right? You don't, he doesn't have much political capital to then expend because he's already term limited to this, this one four year term. So now this might also, like, he could also say, well, you know, screw it. I'm, you know, I've, I've been indicted, I've been impeached. So I'm just going to go for, I'm going to go for broke, right? I mean, that's, like he did with his uh, casino. I'm kidding. Oh, come on. It's, it's, it, was a, it was a casino. He, all right. Um, DeSantis now promises to give them no quarter. He's, uh, he's already drawn up plans that, if successful, would amount to the most significant reform of the Justice Department in decades. Um, do, 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 he says he doesn't buy the idea that presidents cannot fire anybody on the federal payroll. He makes little distinction between political appointees like the FBI director and the federal government's career employees, a workforce numbering 35,000 at the FBI alone. He said, quote, if you're performing poorly, you should be fired. He says it doesn't matter if you're a bureaucrat or if you're a political appointee. There are some functions DeSantis would not allow law enforcement to do at all. For example, he told his advisors that he wants to put the kibosh, completely put the kibosh on the FBI and DOJ's nonsense with respect to so-called misinformation. You're out of that line of work. There are other things DeSantis would have the Justice Department do differently. Um, He says the office, the mission rather, the mission of the Civil Rights Division during his presidency, as uh, would be uh, their mission, would be one where the agency is actually policing discrimination. That division would be truly colorblind. Um, discrimination is discrimination. Adding that he didn't think it was acceptable to discriminate against individuals who happen to be white or Asian. And while much of the DeSantis plan to end the weaponization of federal agencies involves limiting and focusing the role of the Justice Department. 
He also pointed to one area of federal expansion. He points to Chicago, L.A., San Francisco, and promises to direct the DOJ to go after progressive local prosecutors who are not prosecuting cases against violent criminals. I like that idea, too. DeSantis, uh, later on in the piece here, too, he says uh, he's also expressed an appetite for revoking security clearances of former intelligence officials. Yes. Members of what he calls the, quote, intelligence and national security class. They often get employed after public service as paid cable news contributors. I've, I've covered this before. These, these people, they get their clearances and then they get to keep them after they're, they've retired. Or, or even been fired sometimes, right? They, they, get, they get shown the door, but they get to keep their clearances, which means they can go and they can get information. They can go look at stuff. And then that means they can feed the news organizations. That's why they put them on payroll. So you you have this direct channel between the intelligence agencies and news uh, departments. So then here's this, though. Um, A graduate of Harvard Law and a JAG officer before Congress, it was DeSantis who, along with Ohio Representative Jim Jordan and former Utah Representative Jason Chaffetz, led the charge to impeach then-IRS Commissioner John Koskinen for his alleged role in covering up the IRS's systematic targeting of Tea Party groups. The effort was scuttled in 2016 by Republican brass who did not have an appetite for a protracted battle with an administrative agency during an election year. And do you remember who the Republican brass was? Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan put the kibosh on the impeachment of the IRS chief over the targeting of Tea Party groups. And the people leading that charge was DeSantis and Jim Jordan. House Freedom Caucus guys. So I, I, I'm, I am perplexed at the things people choose to believe about candidates based on folks that they hear stuff from and, oh, I heard this guy's working on that campaign. Like, first off, all of these consultants, they all go working on all the campaigns. Right? They're 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 consultants for crying out loud. They're political consultants. This is what they do. So I put very little stock in those sorts of connections. Up next, Dr. Bill Forstjen, author of One Second After. He's got a new book out about the the end of America. Should be an exciting topic. <laughs> 